welcome to the Battle in the Bride. Thank you, Lee. Good morning, everybody. Thank you very much for allowing me to be here. I asked Lee if I could come up and present to you all um, because over this past year, I graduated from seminary. My intention for going to seminary was one, well, thank you. My intention was, um, my intention was not just to go and get learning. My intention was to pursue the call that God had laid on my heart that was confirmed by my wife, my church, uh, and many others. And so in order to be faithful to that, I wanted to, uh, to pursue uh, studies at a higher level. What drew me to this particular seminary, I graduated from Reformation Seminary, and it is headquartered in Arizona, out of Sedona. Um, and that is a glorious place to go, particularly for Sedonuts. If you ever go and visit, <laughs> go to Sedonuts. But the reason that I chose this particular program was because it was the first seminary that that allowed you to come and study in order to learn how to plant a house church. Now, that is not something that I ever really considered until recently. And what drew me to it was the, the notion that the people of God could gather in a close-knit community and enjoy fellowship together, but still also be able to worship in an orthodox way, meaning we're not just going there to have pizza and watch some sort of a TED Talk Bible study presentation on TV and say, oh, hey, we went to church today. That's not church. That is a get-together at best. But you all, you come to church. You know that church re requires certain things. It requires the reading and proclamation of God's word, not just the, the reading of it, but the preaching of it as well, and the administering of the sacraments of baptism and communion. So when these things are done correctly, you have a church. And I had no interest in putting any of my time behind anything that, that said otherwise, or anything that had this very loosey-goosey feel about websites. If you go out and you look up house church networks, house church websites, you can get a whole lot of things that red flags immediately go off. There's very little talk about the Bible. They'll say everything about the Holy Spirit, but they won't talk about the scriptures. So you've got to be careful. And uh, the other thing that drew me to this is that uh, it was reformed in nature. It's a, a 1689 Reformed Baptist confessional um, program that also allows for Westminster folk um, so I started out Reformed Baptist, came out Westminster, and uh, you know did that quietly so none of my Baptist friends knew. Uh, then you know later on I'm like, so as the lone presby, they're like, what? Um, but that's important to me because that's where my convictions are as far as uh, what I've I've learned from Scripture. Now, why am I coming to you? It's because I want to plant a house church. And my intention behind this is to plant a church in Newport News, a land of a thousand churches. If you've ever been to Newport News, the Hampton area, everywhere you go, you can see a church. 
There are about 84,000 plus people just in the city of Newport News alone. Uh, I believe there's 34,000-ish uh, in Hampton right next door. You're surrounded by all of these historical uh, towns and cities like Yorktown, Williamsburg, Norfolk, and, and all of the, Virginia Beach is an hour away. You have three military bases within 15 minutes of each other, basically. You have the Air Force Base, you have Naval Base, you have uh, the Army Base in Fort Eustis. But in this city of 84,000 people, churches are dying. You do have faithful churches. You do. They are there. They do exist. People go to them. They are getting ministered to, and they are ministering to their community. But a large group of these churches are struggling. Some of them are renting out their buildings. They don't even meet in the buildings anymore. They rent the buildings out so that they can afford to pay the mortgage. And so it seems like it would be a dismal prospect for Christians to go about and see the skeletons of what once was, but then also be confronted with all of the godlessness around them. It is, it's a city, it's a good city. It's not the safest city. But you can tell there is a real need for the gospel of Jesus Christ in these people's lives. People have substituted Christianity for New Ageism. You can even, down there, there is a, a large group of people who are, are flocking to Egyptian mysticism. Because, because when you have the vacuum of Christianity, when there is... When there is no gospel being preached, when there is no outreach, what happens is that people begin to search for something that will ground them. And they believe that if they go back to the faith of, of their people, of their culture, that's where they're going to find their truth. That's how they, they call it, their truth. And what that, the devil uses that in order to get people into bondage, into idolatry. Amen. They don't even realize it. But they think that they are doing something that... that that's beneficial to them. And they're being lied to and they're being led astray. They're being led to hell. But then there are also just the average people who are dead in their sins. They are enslaved to the tyranny of the devil and have never heard the gospel. Never seen a Bible, never read it. And they too are lost and dying and going to hell. And my hope is that I would be able to plant a church that would be able to faithfully minister to the people that God brings into our lives, into our church, and that would also begin to affect the community positively. And not just in a way that you, know, you have a bunch of community events. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the legacy of faith, the faith of our fathers. I mean, if you look back, if you are not a, a first-generation Christian yourself, if you look back and you know who the first person was that God saved out of your family, and then you think about how that has affected your life and how that's affecting your children, that's how the kingdom of God is. It's, a, it's like a mustard seed, Jesus says, that grows into this mighty bush. It just it blossoms out. It just grows. And, uh, and that's what it is like for us. 
When that seed of faith is planted in us, it produces fruit for the kingdom of God. And as a result, your children grow up in this, this covenant household of blessing where they get to learn about Jesus. They hear the name of Jesus Christ. They are exposed to the truth of God. And as a result of that, they will grow up to know him and be compelled to glorify him. It will be expected. And they will be looking for other people. They will be looking for godly spouses. You should be children. You will be looking for godly spouses who will continue to cultivate in your family that heritage, that legacy of faith, not just for mere sake of tradition, not just because, oh, my father did it, my father's father did it. That's a good reason, but you're doing it because it's the truth and because Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. He's our living Savior. This is not my sermon, by the way. But this is the, this is the heart behind why I want to do this. Because we have lost sight of the gospel and we have lost sight of the power of God that can affect change in a hopeless, in a hopeless situation. Jesus himself, when he looked out on the people, he had compassion upon them because they were afflicted. They were confused. They were like, a sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. But what did he say? He said, the fields are white for harvest. So when you survey the world around you and it seems like things are falling apart, it's like, oh, harvest time. A lot of people just want to throw in the towel and hide, and that's not what we are to do as Christians. We are to boldly proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. So that's what my goal is to do in a house church setting. And Lord willing, we'll be able to grow that house church to a point where we, we need a building ourselves. My goal from that building is to, while that's all going on, raise up elders who will be willing to split off and start their own house churches in the community. So over the next five years, I hope to see that happen. It's my prayer that that would happen. And there are a lot of steps to go before I get there. So what does this mean for you? Why did I come to Lee and ask for, for his permission to come and, and speak to you all, present and preach? Well, first, I, I desperately need prayer. Great movements of God have always started with great movements of prayer. And so if you could commit to be praying for me and my family as we are in the beginning stages of planting, we have not planted. I need men to come alongside me who are willing to plant with me because I cannot do this by myself. So be praying for support, more workers in the field. That's what I need. Godly men who are raising godly families who will help lead this church faithfully. And discernment to know the sheep from the wolves. The other aspect of it is that last year in the middle of seminary, I was let go from my job very suddenly and didn't see it coming, obviously. You don't ever see that coming. Um, the Lord has proven very faithful in that, that whole year. It just seems 
We have seen God provide in ways that we couldn't imagine, um, but we still have needs. Um, and so part of the reason that I'm coming to ask you for support is to ask if you would prayerfully consider giving to me. This is, I do not want emotional giving or anything like that. This is if the Lord lays it on your heart and nothing else. Because the Lord doesn't need your money. I don't need your money. But if the Lord lays it on your heart to be obedient to that, then, then that's between you and God. Um, part of that money will go to supplement the bills that, that have fallen short. But that money will also be put aside in order to, to buy things like hymnals. I'm going to need hymnals for this house church. Because like I said, we're not just getting together and we're not going to throw on a YouTube video. We are, we're going to sing it. If we have to do it a cappella, we're going to do it. But, but we're going to glorify God in that way. And there, were, there are other needs that we, we have um, that would go to supporting the house church. Uh, and I, I would be happy if you give me a, an email or something, I can put you on a list that I will send out updates. Um, I'm trying to do it monthly, trying to get better at that um, as things are progressing. Uh, and so that you will be able to see what's happening. Because I don't want to just show up here and then disappear. That's, that's a red flag. And I'd love to be able to come back and present to you uh, throughout you know, the next year as things go on. Uh, and as I'm able. In order to let you know how things are going. Um, so, so that is, in a nutshell, my hope for this. Now what does house church look like? Um, in this particular setting. Well, we would gather together on a Sunday morning. We would invite people into our home. We would have it set up for them so that when you come in, you, you come in, you say your hellos just like here. You find a seat. And then we begin with, with prayer. We begin with worship. And the point of house church is, is to have people included in the process of worshiping. You are coming together to worship together as the body of Christ. One of the aspects of the liturgy, yes, liturgy, it's just a fancy word for order of worship. One of the aspects of this liturgy is that I, at some point we will read a passage and I will, I will open up the floor. I will say, Has, did God speak to you while we read that or... Has God been speaking to you this week? Now, that may make some people nervous. You may have to correct somebody on the spot. But what that does is it allows you to participate in the ministry of the saints. To join in with building one another up. And the other aspect is that we do prayer requests before we get to the sermon. And part of the prayer request aspect is... Okay, does anyone have any prayer requests? And then, yeah, yeah, it's just been a, a rough week. This happened, this happened, and we could really use your prayers. So instead of just saying, okay, thank you, and then moving on, what we're doing is we will take the time and we will pray with you right then, right there. Someone in the church will pray uh, for that need, and then we'll go on to the next need. Now that may seem tedious, but it is absolutely necessary. The whole point isn't to just get through the process. Christianity doesn't happen in a vacuum. It doesn't happen as an individual. You are part of a covenant community. You are part of the body of Christ. And so the body of Christ has needs. We're supposed to bear with one another. 
So that's the way we do it. And the other part of that is that once we do the sermon, and yes, it's a sermon, it's not a Bible study, I won't be sitting, I will be standing behind a pulpit, I will be preaching the word faithfully, we will then take communion every week, and after that we have a fellowship meal. Every week there will be a fellowship meal in the house, and what that allows you to do is it allows you to, to say, hey, I heard your prayer request, uh, what can I be doing? Uh, or I, I heard you needed this thing, like let's, let's make it happen. So uh, that aspect, it, it allows for this this intimate setting where, where people can be built up, the community grows, and, and it's not just, oh, hey, I saw you on Sunday, we kind of go to church together, don't really know the guy, and then you're off to your, your next thing. It's about strengthening one another, building one another up in the most holy faith. Um, before I go on any, any further, does anybody have any questions before I get to the passage I'm going to preach on? If you have any questions, if they come up, and you can come up and, and ask me um, before uh, before I leave, uh, I will be sticking around after the service. Um, the other aspect uh, of the support I just remembered is is online ministry. So I run a blog called The Battle and the Bride, uh, thebattleandthebride.com. It's a blog slash podcast um, found on streaming platforms, YouTube, etc. So um, part of the ministry will require a website. The church needs a website of its own. So that, those funds will have to come from somewhere, and the Lord will provide it. Um, but if you want to keep up with us, that's another way to keep up with what we're doing and, and just the different things that, that we have going on because um, the Lord's allowed the Internet to, to come into existence so that his truth can be proclaimed in a whole different way to a whole set of people that would, you'd never be able to see um, now, that doesn't substitute for the gathering in person, but it has been a huge blessing to the body of Christ, in my opinion. So, any questions? Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Battle and the Bride. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. For more information, visit thebattleandthebride.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at thebattleinthebride at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and God bless.